My name is Chantel, and I am very excited to be with you here this morning. It feels like in some ways it has been no time at all, and in other ways it has been a significant amount of time since I have been on this platform in this way. And so for those of you that don't know me, I got back from mat leave um, mid-October. I was away um, just caring for our new little babe, Mateo, and um, you probably maybe have seen him around. He doesn't look like me that much. He's kind of tinted darker hair, super <laughs> long hair, adorable. I'm the most biased mother you'll ever meet. I said I wouldn't be that person, and I am that person times 50. So my child can do no wrong, I see no wrong, I hear no wrong. Just kidding. Um, and so anyways... As per usual, when I'm prepping for a sermon, I feel this like mixed feelings of like ang anxiousness, but like so much excitement. And I sometimes I can't really tell where one starts and the other ends um, because all of it feels like vibrations through my body. So, um, and I'm like prepping this sermon, and now I'm like, oh, Chantelle, this is gonna be your first time preaching as a mom. You need to be so on the ball this time. So I'm like trying, Darcy let me know way in advance, thankfully, that I was gonna be preaching. And so I was like, okay. We got to make a plan. Like, everything's going to be okay as long as you make a plan. Because before, um, I don't know, life just seemed to go a little easier than it does now. Now there's, like, all these <laughs> weird interruptions, you know, night wakings that happen, like, a lot. And, um, you know, you just never know what a day will hold. So you have to have, like, a contingency plan. So I went into this sermon prep with a contingency plan, at least what I thought was a contingency plan. And so I was like, I'm going to prep and be way ahead of time. Like, my normal due date where I, like, want to be done prep by Friday never happens. Um, you know, I'm like, I want to be done by, like, Wednesday and just putting the finishing touches on Friday. So this past week, um, everything was coming together good. I was prepping early. Tuesday was like a dream prepping. I was like, you know what? This is almost going too good. Like what's happening here? Oh, maybe I'm just like, this is like, you know, mom life now. You just like get her done. And um, anyways, and then Friday comes along and um, I'm excited. I'm like, okay, I'm just, I have written out my sermon in a draft form. I'm just going to put the finishing touches, do my PowerPoint, and then I'm going to have this glorious weekend with my baby and husband and all will be well. So anyways, I come to the church in the morning. First mistake. I came to the church in the morning. Uh, <laughs> why did I come to the church in the morning when you're prepping a sermon? I don't know. I just missed this place. I don't know. Um, so I came to the church in the morning, and I went to my office. And again, second mistake. Um, my office is currently now being shared with Crystal, who's delightful, and Darlene, whom I love. But Crystal is our secretary, and which means that everyone who comes in the church basically goes to her. And they, right now, we have this thing called the Singing Christmas Tree. So it means that like our influx of people is like times by like a hundred. So people are like coming inside the door like all the time. So right away I noticed this is probably not the best place for me to do sermon prepping. So that's fine. I decided to leave. And, um, and then I thought, well, where's another good place I can go? Oh, let's go back to the, the prayer room. I don't know. There's something about the prayer room. I was there on Tuesday. And when I was prepping in there, I just felt like the creativity juices just a flow in. Like that is the holy place. I'm going to the prayer room. So I take my computer, like crisis averted, went to the prayer room. And I'm sitting there, and I go to turn on my computer, and it's all black. And, like, it has the little battery sign. I was like, oh, oops, I forgot to charge my computer. No big deal. I brought my cord. And then I go, and I plug my cord inside the outlet, and it doesn't do anything. And I think, well, maybe it's just my cord. So I go and plug in my iPhone cord into it. And same thing, no power. I was like, oh, this side of the wall doesn't have power. 
oh, that's right, there's contraction going on right now. That's okay. The electricians are in. They probably just, you know, closed off the breaker on this side of the room. It's a big room. So I went to one, two, three, four more outlets and tried my computer cord into the outlets, and it was not working. And I quickly felt my, like, nerves start to rise and my breath start to quicken. And I thought, oh, dear, this is not going as planned today. And um, anyways, I said, that's okay. Where in this building can I go? I can't bring my dead computer to my car, which is always the, where I go end up. I do my office stuff in my car sometimes if I really need peace and quiet. And, uh, <laughs> and then I'm like, I can't go there with the dead computer. Ah, Dallas isn't coming in until later today. So I was like, I'm going to use Dallas's office. So I go to Dallas's office. Thank you, Dallas. And um, he has this like, nice view of the trees. And I think, oh, this is, this is already like I'm feeling like the stress leaving my body, like the peace is flowing. I'm looking at nature, sitting in his little comfy chair. And, um, and then, anyways, plug the cord in. My computer comes to life. And then I go to open a program, and it just starts flashing at me. And the whole entire computer starts flashing and doing this thing that I've never seen before and sending me this message that I've never seen before. And I'm like, this is not coincidence. My computer is possessed. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, maybe it's not possessed. It may have had some issues for a while, but this was like ironic. Like, I'm like, no, you gotta be kidding me. So I thought, well, who better to undemonize my computer than Apple Care? So <laughs> I got on the phone with Apple Care and I told them about my possessed computer. Just kidding, I didn't say that, they think I'm nuts. But um, I told them about my computer issues. I'm like, I can't go into any programs and I really need it like today. So the lady on the phone guesses what's wrong with it. She leads me through a process of deleting some weird thing that she thinks is encrypting my computer and doing something bad to it. I know nothing about computers. And, um, and so I said, okay, this is wonderful. And she says, it'll only take one or two hours for it to finish updating. I was like, one or two hours? <laughs> I don't have. <sighs> Thankfully, I had planned one meeting in this day, aside from my sermon prepping stuff. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to that meeting and put this aside. It's okay. Everything's going to be okay. I go have a delightful meeting with someone. It was wonderful. And I come back and look at my computer. I'm like, great, it did the update it needed. And I go and I try again to open another computer, um, open a program, and it works. But then I try to open another program, like the Word program that you need to write your finish writing your sermon, and it starts glitching out again. I'm like, no, the problem was not solved. So back to Apple Care I call, and about 45 minutes later, on the phone with Apple Care, some magical undemonizing computer man leads me through some very strange words I've never heard of in my life and somehow fixes my computer. And that is how my Friday went. <laughs> and so, uh, yes, I thought if I had a plan and as long as we stick to the plan, everything will be okay. And I imagine I'm not the only person in the room that has made a plan and for some reason or another, that plan has not played out the way that you thought it should or would. Um, actually, for some moral support to make me feel a little better, because I already feel the PTSD coming back, my, like, <laughs> my blood pressure is already high, um, I, <laughs> it, please raise your hand if you have made made a plan in your life, and for whatever reason, it went totally different direction and didn't turn out the way that you had planned. Has that ever happened, anyone? The multiple hands, good. I feel like the more children you have, the more limbs you're putting up in the air. <laughs> Seems, I'll take note of that. <laughs> well, thank you, I'm starting to feel better already. 
But truly, my computer story was rather a silly story, though very stressful and, and anxiety-inducing at the time. Um, it's an experience that I would have chosen not to have, yet it doesn't really change my life in the grand th scheme of things. If anything, it probably just made me rely on Jesus a little bit more for the sermon prep. Not a bad thing. Um, no. <laughs> and uh, last week, Pastor Dallas kicked off a Fear Not series, Finding Courage at Christmas, where we're examining the angels appearing to people during the Christmas story. And each of them say, and often begin with, the phrase, fear not. Pastor Dallas spoke to you about Joseph's story and the dealing with the fear of what people think of you. If you have not listened to the sermon, I really encourage you to go and do that. And it's on the web. And I'm going to continue with this series of fear not, um, with attempting to face the fear of what God is asking me to do. And I'm going to do this by looking at the other half of that story from Mary's perspective. Many thoughts from this series come from Craig Groeschel and, so, and his work. So we just want to give credit where credit is due. And, um, and I just love where Dallas, one of the points that Dallas made last week, really helps launches us into this week. And he said, you have no idea what you set into motion when you do what God calls you to do. So... If that's the case, why is it then that it can be so hard to want to be open to and never mind desire God's plans for our lives? In fact, if we're being honest, I'm certain most of us have struggled with one time or another with the fear of what God is asking me, asking you to do. I think there's many reasons that this could be the case, but for my own curiosity and prepping for this sermon, I asked an assortment of people from various ages and stages of life and genders. I asked them, what do you think drives this fear of being afraid of what God is asking us to do? And there was a few different responses that kind of kept coming up and really stuck with me. So firstly, I'll share them with you. Firstly, the answer was, because we already have our own plans and we like to feel in control of our lives, right? I think that's pretty normal. We like to sometimes feel like we have some control. There's a lot of things that are outside of our control, like a lot, like how many times you wake up in the night, like if you have a baby, then it's like that's completely out of your control. It's kind of nice to feel like you have some control. Having a plan often helps give us the perception of control of the situation and that sense of control Sometimes that helps relieve anxious feelings and it helps us to cope with our rising stress levels. That's why for some of us, it's so hard to even begin to open, never mind desire, to let God interrupt our plans whew, and make room for him to work out his plans in our lives. We already have a plan. What if his doesn't line up with ours? Just the thought of that brings some of us anxiety. Another reason that came up is wanting to avoid inconvenience or feelings of uncomfortableness with what God might ask of us. Many of us run our lives that are filled to the brim and they don't have much margin left in them. Some of us really struggle with the fear and idea that God is like the person that is always asking more and more and more of us. And frankly, in a world where you feel like you can hardly keep up each day and where you feel like this is, there is never enough time or room left, you simply don't have the room in your life to be inconvenienced by God. That would derail everything, right? And thirdly, 
Another reason that came up of why we fear God's plans is because of the feelings of ourselves we have of inadequacy. Some of us feel like we're just surviving life, but others of us, we think that's too nice of a word. Some of us feel like we're failing. Whether it be because we think we're failing at work, at school, at our marriage, at parenting, at our mental health, at our physical health, at being a friend, being a son, being a daughter. And we can't keep up with life's demands. So why on earth would God even want to choose to use us? Doesn't he have someone else? Someone who's got it all together? Or at least more together than us? These are the things we wrestle with. So whether, whether it be because of our own plans that were derailed or having a new plan presented that would prove to be inconvenience, never mind uncomfortable, or whether dealing with feelings of inadequacy, I'm sure that our star player of the day today, Mary, faced each of these issues. And her story this morning is going to help us face them too. So now we're going to look at the part of the Christmas story where the angel appeared to Mary, a young teenage virgin girl. And as we look at this interaction with Mary and the angel, it will help us face the fear that many of us are wrestling with, the fear of what God is asking us to do. So it was also our story for Advent, which I realize? No. But this story is going to be ingrained in your brain today. Luke 1 verses 26 to 31. If you'll read with me. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth, in case you didn't know, Mary's cousin, who was too old to give birth, and an angel appeared to her, and now she's miraculously pregnant with a man who we know as John the Baptist, okay? So God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And, um, I've been told that, you know, whenever I read the story of angels, I always thought it was like, oh, I don't know why this woman, when I was a kid, I don't know why this woman would be so shocked or scared of seeing an angel or anyone would be. Like, they're just wonderful and they sit on clouds and eat Philadelphia cream cheese on their bagels and they play harps and they're just lovely. Well, I've been informed that, um, you know, they're pretty, you know, fierce and magnificent and powerful and warlike looking and probably something that would make my heart also race. Um, and so they show up, uh, he shows up to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel, the angel, appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Uh, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. You will conceive and give birth. Oh, I read that line. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. I wish the Bible gave more insight into what Mary was thinking sometimes, but um, let's look into what we know about her to give us an idea of what maybe she could have been thinking. And so, of course, Mary... It says there she's, you know, terrified, confused, disturbed, actually, is the word it used. 
I have to say, rightfully so. This girl is 14, 15, or maybe 16 years old. We know that because when a girl was to hit puberty, shortly after that, she would be promised or betrothed to a man to be married. And in this case, that was Joseph. Mary's mind must have been racing and thinking something like, this wasn't the plan. It was not supposed to go this way. Okay, I'm, you know, maybe it wasn't those exact words, but there was something similar going through her mind. Like, what on earth? She had plans to get married and to do it all the right way. And now this is going to ruin everything. It could ruin her relationship with Joseph. It could ruin her reputation. Actually, back then, it was even more than that. It was grounds for stoning and for death. It could ruin her whole life. It could end it. So when this angel comes to her, sent by God, and interrupted her plans to say it was inconvenient, seems like such an understatement. But um, for the sake of better words, lack of words, we'll just call it that. Um, I like the way Greg Groeschel words it. And he says, what we call interruptions, God uses as invitations. Those times that we feel like God is interrupting us, he's often inviting us to something higher and better. In fact, God is and always is, has been, in the business of interrupting our plans and inserting, with those interruptions, it's actually, he's inserted invitations for us for something more. And you see it all often throughout scripture where someone's on their way to do something and God comes in and totally changes up what they're doing. You see it when he interrupted Moses' day, and there was a burning bush, and uh, he invited Moses to come and deliver, be the deliverer of God's people. You see it when he interrupted Saul. Saul, who's known for killing Christians, and God blind, there was a, a light, he went blind, and he invited Saul into a transforming moment that completely changed his life. He changes his name, Saul, to Paul, and then he goes on to write 13, maybe even 14, depending on your view of Hebrews, <laughs> books of the New Testament. So this is a pattern that we've seen. Those are two examples out of tons. And if I had to guess, many of you have those interruption stories. Or maybe even consider yourself one of those interruption stories in someone else's life. Meaning, you wouldn't be where you are today or you would not be who you are today if it wasn't for God's inconvenient interruption in your life or in someone else's life. Some of you are actually completely different people, totally transformed because of those inconvenient interruptions. And some of you, God wants to interrupt because he's got something so much better, so much higher, so much bigger than the plans that you have for yourself. In fact, God often changes our stories and the stories of the people around us by interrupting our plans and inviting us to something more. So back to our story with Mary, God's angel comes to this very young, very virgin, Mary, who has the next little part of her life planned out and tells her, God's got different plans for you. I guarantee you that her plans did not consist of getting pregnant while remaining a virgin and with God's child. I just feel like that wasn't part of it. If this is... <laughs> 
I, I feel like that's a, a safe guess. If this isn't going to send panic and anxiety and fear through her entire being, I don't know what it is. No wonder God sent the angel Gabriel with the beginning words, fear not, or our translation to today says, do not be afraid. So let's read verse 30 again. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. I love how the angel goes on to say, you have found favor with God. I just love that. It's so rich. I love the reassurance the angel offers her and speaks over her. In other words, he's saying, before you try and fill in your own blank, Mary, and think this is because you've done something wrong, it's not. You're not being punished, darling. No, you haven't been bad. This isn't meant to destroy you. No, girl. This is going to make you. In fact, you're going to change history. You're going to change lives for thousands of years to come because of this. Jesus changed lives. She gave birth to Jesus. Okay. So, <laughs> so many times, so many times, I think that we're tempted to fill in our own reasons as to why hard and troubling things or disappointments happen to us. And it can lead us down a very shameful and blameful, it's not a word, spiral. We can get lost in it. Oh, I'm in this place because of this. I'm in this place because of this, because of them, because of me. And Mary was about to go through something very hard. Yet her assurance was, you have found favor with God. Hmm. Sometimes we can absolutely cause our own grief. We can make a lot of poor choices and end up in a mess because of it. But I want to encourage someone here today who's not in that position. You have felt like you have done everything right or at least have tried to and you have ended up so far from where you've planned to be. And you need to have the reassurance this morning that this situation that you're in, this giant that you're facing, this mountain that you're climbing, this valley that you fell into and can't seem to find your way out of, isn't because you're being punished. It's not because you're being punished. And what if the thing God is asking of you isn't meant to break you, but it was meant to make you? Because this had the potential of breaking Mary's reputation, breaking her relationship, breaking her life. But instead, God used it to make her, to help make history. So, I believe that, you know, it's hard, you know, if, and we're not, we don't have time today to get into the whole sovereignty of God. And we don't have time today to get into the why behind why, why things happen. But I just need someone here to know that God can use the things that we're afraid will break us. He can use that to make us. And God can also use the things that were meant to break us. So meaning the things that the enemy has used to, kill, to steal, kill, and destroy from you, God can use that to also make us. Okay, I'm going to say that again. God can use the things that we're afraid will break us to make us. And God can also use the things that were meant to break us to make us. There's an author that I got into um, over mat leave, and her name is Lisa Turkhurst. And um, she has written lots of books, and, but one of the ones that has just rattled me, I had to take several breaks in reading it because I just, I, it was hard. It was hard to listen to her story, though it was very powerful. 
and um, she had, you know, this is a woman who's done Proverbs 31 ministries and has preached so much good stuff and, um, you know, how to be a great wife and mother and all these things. And, and then it comes out that her husband has been having an affair and he's leaving her and she shares some pretty raw things in her book about um, what she what she walked through and um, God has done an incredible work there's been such a redeeming factor in her story and and that's what also just adds to this powerfulness um, and so in light of knowing that, you should just go and find some of her books, Google her. Um, but one of her books, that book I was referring to, it, was, it, isn't spo- it wasn't supposed to be this way. It says, sometimes to get your life back, you have to face the death of what you thought your life would look like. What if disappointment is really the exact appointment your soul needs to radically encounter God? It's often in those times of our disappointments, of changed plans, those times where we have fallen flat on our backs that we finally need to look up at God. I had friends growing up who we loved quotes and we would always write quotes down, um, you know, in our journals. And my one friend would always, she had come from such a rough background. She was a community kid and she had found Jesus. And she would always write that quote and say that quote and say, sometimes we have to fall flat on our backs before we finally look up at God. And at the time, I didn't like it. I hated that quote. I didn't like her saying that because at the time, you know, I'd have a lot of bad things happen in my childhood, but I was doing okay right then. And I just did like, no, like, I don't want to fall flat on my back. Like, you know, and, uh, and there was just so much uncomfortableness that came with it. And as I've grown and as I've lived and then I've walked with people who have lived, I realized, no, like, like sometimes that's like we can be so self-sufficient, so self-reliant until we just really realize, wow, we have no control out of everything that happens to us, of our loved ones, of, you know, how our, even how our day is going to play out. We have no control over a lot of things. Jesus, I need you. And let's, she goes on to say, Lisa, Uh, in her book, and let's be honest, if we weren't ever disappointed, we'd settle for the shallow pleasures of this world rather than addressing the spiritual desperation of our souls. We don't think about fixing things until we realize they are broken. And even then, we don't call in the experts until we surrender to the realization we cannot fix things on our own. If our souls never ached with disappointments and disillusionment, we'd never fully admit and submit to our need for God. If we never shattered we'd never know the glorious touch of the potter making something glorious out of dust and out of us and I believe that God cares so much about who we are he cares about our character he can, and that and those things are also part of his plan it's not just for us to do things but it's for us to be and he wants to help shape and develop us and he wants to take the things that have broken you and use it to continue to make you. So let's go back to our story. The angel goes on to express the purpose of God behind this radical change of plans. We read in verse 31 to 33, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. So Mary, going to be pregnant, out of wedlock. Well, you know that was sin, the one sin, punishable by death. 
never mind the thought of telling Joseph, will he leave me? Heck, will he even believe me? You should listen to Dallas's message again. He goes over that. This is so outrageous. But at least God, he, he does reveal his purposes to her. And even though he does, I'm sure it still didn't line up with the plans that she had for herself. And this plays out in each one of our lives differently. When God interrupts your life with an invitation to do something else, something better, even if it doesn't seem better at first, for some of you that might have been what what happened when you lost that job and you didn't understand why, but then something better came along and it got you onto a new path that you need to be on. For some of you, it's a purpose behind why God told you to hang on to a marriage that seemed unsavable. The romance, the passion, the love, it was far gone and resentment seemed to be the only thing left yet he turned it around and now you guys are in a better place to mentor and love on others I don't know what it is for you but chances are you've been there and you've seen it God's interruption of Mary's life did not come without a divine purpose and God's interruption to your life doesn't come without a divine purpose either he has a purpose for it unfortunately the only thing is we don't always get the angel telling us what the purpose is okay so that's just a side note we don't always get that but just know there is a purpose so Mary's response was very interesting in verse 34 Mary asked the angel but how can this happen I am a virgin it's impossible physically impossible she doesn't say physically impossible. That was my own addition. There'll be a time for <laughs> there'll be a time for each of us, for all of you, where God is going to interrupt you with an invitation for something more and his purpose will look different than the plans that you have made for yourself, for your kids, for your spouse, for your friends, for your parents. And again I say the things that you feared could break you is actually going to be used to help make you. <sighs> I think that there's examples of this that's going to play out differently for each of us. For some of you, you're going to be asking, God, how can you be asking me to forgive that person and how they treated me, how they hurt me? That's impossible. God, how can you be asking me to be generous when I'm struggling so much right now as it is? How can you heal my marriage after what it's been through? It's impossible. God, how can you want me to come clean to my parents, to my counselor, to my pastor, to my spouse about that secret addiction that is swallowing me alive? How can you restore my heart after it's felt like it's been broken and shattered into a zillion pieces? How can I reconcile with my child that I haven't spoken to in over a decade? You can fill in your own blank. Some of you guys may feel like you're up against impossible situations. And I don't know what it is that God's asking of you, what hopeless situation might seem impossible. But I want to encourage you that God might be calling you to call on him for the impossible. God may be calling you to call on him for the impossible. And that's probably exactly how Mary felt. This is impossible. Like I hear what you're saying, angel, this is going to happen. But how? This is impossible. And in verse 35, the angel responds with the answer. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the sons of, Son of God. In other words, it's not, but, 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 but God, how? In other words, it's just but God. Okay, it's not but 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 how you we don't always get to know the how, and it's not up for us to work out the how. But in other words, it's but God. 
okay? And it's that trust in God. Don't worry about how, the, how it's going to unfold, how it's going to work. That's God's job. And if you get taken by those thoughts, remind yourself, but God. No buts, just but God, okay? For in verse 87, it says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. But when we read verses with that, we add in our own little flair sometimes. Nothing is impossible with God except my kids. Oh, my goodness. You ain't see my kids. They, they're the impossible ones. Oh, nothing is impossible with God except my aging parents. Oh, my goodness. Like, they, they are kind of their own. Like, they're impossible. Except, except Nothing's impossible with God except my addiction. This one started when I was really young. It's going to have me forever. Except, except, and we can all fill in the blanks of what we think is the exception to nothing is impossible with God. So as I imagine that some of you might be facing that impossible seeming situation, some of you guys need to be encouraged that it is possible with God. And God may be prompting you to do something, to believe something that is seeming impossible right now. What is he asking you to do? What is he asking you to believe? I also like how Craig Rochelle inserts this. When you get ready to respond, never forget this. If God is asking you to take a step of faith... The outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. Outcome is always and only God's responsibility. All you're called to do is to obey and take a step of faith. There is an experience that we had a few weekends ago. And um, just not, I feel like I didn't even play a big part in it. But it was just one of those things where, you know, I'm, I'm still learning. I, you know, I talk to people about Jesus as part of my life and my job. And, you know, and there's still these things that can creep up into us. And we were at a conference with some young people. And there was a couple of students there that I love dearly. And they didn't have a church background. And so, but you can see God just moving on their hearts and working in their hearts. And, um, and so there was an altar time after one of the conferences. And the girls went up to pray. And respond, and I, um, you know, and I was just so excited, and I wanted to go pray for them. And, um, you know, because I'm remembering back to, like, when I was young and those powerful moments at the altar. And I go, and um, I lay my hands on the girls together, and I, and I pray for them. And I was expecting, like, something. Like, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was expecting something. And, um, and so I pray for them. And, like... They're just standing there, like, just, like, just totally chill. And, like, not, like I can't tell. I'm, like, you know, maybe I didn't pray loud enough. Like, maybe I didn't, like, hug them strong enough. Like, what's going on here? Like, you know, like, they're just, like, nothing's happening. So then I think, oh, like, maybe I should pray for them individually. So I go, I'm, like, really out of touch. Just got back from mat leave. Don't even remember how to pray for people. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. I remember. I just like to make fun. So I, I go and um, I go and ask the girls individually, like, is there something I could pray for you for? And they're like, nope. And the other one's like, nope. And like, just like straight faced and like, no, no motion. And I'm like, huh, like, okay. And I'm like, and I go and stand behind them. And I was like, Jesus, I just feel like 
this cannot be anything of me because, like, I, it's not that I have tricks, but, like, they're not tricks. I just told you what I do. I go up and pray for people, and it's like, it didn't work. Like, nothing happened, like, you know, and I don't know what was going on in their hearts. Um, and I just sat there, and I said, Jesus, I really need you right now. Like, I really need you. And uh, so I just started praying, like, by myself, away from behind the girls, and all of a sudden, God just, like, gave me something that I could not have thought on my own. And, um, and I, like, just gave me a little something to pray over the girl. And so I went and prayed over one girl. And it was just, like, all of a sudden, like, I don't know. I don't even remember what I said. And it was just, like, wow. Like, you just saw God moving in her heart. She starts crying. She starts, like, like you know, like, God's just doing something. And it's overflowing through her emotions. And I give her a hug, and she's just holding me. And then, um, and I'm just, like... I feeling really humbled because I'm just like, that was just not me, obviously. Like, that was so Jesus, and I'm just touched to be part of any of it. And then the same thing happens for the second girl. He gives me a different word, and we start praying. And she just, same thing, like, it's like the dam broke. And she just, like, started, like, crying and crying, and we're holding, and we're hugging each other. And, um, and anyways, and then I went on to pray for other people. And what I didn't know was then the lead singer who was singing the band came off the stage and went and prayed over the one girl's life. And like all of this experience was completely new to her, never been to a conference, like, you know, um, never been to an altar call, never been seen a worship band. And the lead singer of the stage jumps off the stage and God gives him a word. Apparently, I wasn't there for this. And he goes and speaks it over her life. And God used a couple more people to do the exact same thing to this girl and um the both girls had the ex- had the really like cool experience but one of them in particular just had multiple multiple words come to her and I hear from Crystal after the fact um, that, you know, these girls, like, were just so touched and just felt like they had a, they, their wording was, this weekend was completely life-changing for them. Completely life-changing. Because God used people to speak exactly what she needed into their life. And, um, you know, and so my part of the story was, like, very small, like, and, but, like, to me, I was just so humbled. And I was like, wow, Jesus, like, to be a part of any of this is such an honor. And then to, not, to see you working through other people, too, and, like, grabbing other people to minister to this girl and to have this life-changing moment for her. Like, she responded to you, Jesus, and you showed up big time. And, um, and I was just so, so, so touched by that. And, um, and it's just, for me, just remembering, like, wow, like, you know, we can try to do things on our own. We can try to do things on our own strength, but they're never going to meet the place or reach the people that we wanted to reach if we don't bring, if we're, if Jesus isn't a part of it. And he needs, sometimes we feel like he's a part of it, but, like, really relying and depending on him for it. Like, and sometimes that doesn't happen without us facing those impossible situations. And so here we have in verse 38, I'm just going to finish with this. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary, this young teenage girl that we all can learn a lot from. (laughs) She has so much There's so much obedience, so much faith, so much surrender in that phrase. There's so much trust in that phrase. And I love how she spoke in that moment, you know, 
despite any fears and whatever crazy thoughts would have been going through her, her brain, she speaks her true identity in that moment. She speaks out who she is, the Lord's servant, and who she is, the Lord's. And Pastor Darcy talked a few weeks ago how we have to watch the words that we say to ourselves. And if you haven't listened to it, I want to encourage you to go back and listen. Because Mary didn't dwell on the fact that she's not married, not worthy enough to give birth to the Savior of the world, still a virgin, still a teenager. She reminds herself who she is. She reminds herself who she belongs to. She reminds herself who she's serving. And so many of us need that reminder today. I need you guys to stop looking at the things where you're not cutting it. Stop looking at the failures that you feel like are written all over you. Because God's not looking at those things And he actually has a different plan that he wants to write for you. He wants to do something different in each and every one of you. And I share this illustration with Project 68ers, with preteens all the time, okay? And if you have a $10 bill and, you know, and I have a $10 bill. And if you have a $10 bill and you crumple it up and you spit on it and you rip it and you chew it and you stomp on it. You could do whatever you want to this thing. It does not change the value of the $10 bill. You can still go out and use it. You can still go out and buy the things that you have for it. And you know what? The same thing happens for you. Just because you feel like you're failing as a dad, just because you feel like you failed as a spouse, just because you feel like you failed as a child, just because you feel like you failed as a student, does not remove you from being a part of God's plan. It does not exempt you from him having a plan for your life and him wanting to use you because guess what it doesn't change who you are it does not change who you are because who you are in its core in its in its essence you are God's and you are God's which means that he sees you the way that he sees his son Jesus because Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins to free you from Sin to free you from that self-condemnation that so many of us shoot ourselves in the foot with. So many of us walk in and then we just end up loathing ourselves. The $10 doesn't change. Your life doesn't change. Your value does not change. No matter how much you feel like you've missed the mark, Jesus still wants to use you. He does. So I'm just going to close with this. Rebecca Lyons, who's also one of my favorite authors, I found on Matt Leave. She writes beautiful books on vulnerability and panic and anxiety. And she has a cool story as a mom. And uh, she says this. You who raise your voice with your kids, you who are addicted to social media, you who retail your way out of depression, you who question whether or not you have any real friends, you who aren't certain your life really matters, you with the insecurity, your brokenness, your anxiety, your desperation, you, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And God still wants to use you. He still has plans for you. And so some of you guys, I sense, are recognizing your need for surrender to him right now. And you are feeling like that's your next step. And I just want to encourage you, don't let any self-condemnation or any lies or any guilt get in the way of you taking that step of surrender towards God.